1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500
2: This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby.
0: The CBS Evening News, after this short break. Today's CBS Evening News podcast is sponsored by Ancestry. Ancestry can help you discover your origins, build a family tree, and search historical records, giving you more ways to connect with your family. It can even spark some interesting new conversations around the dinner table. Visit Ancestry.com to learn more.
3: This is the CBS Evening News with
1: Nora O'Donnell reporting from the nation's capital.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. As we come on the air tonight, there is breaking news across the South. Tornado warnings have been issued across several states and twisters have already been spotted. The threat's only going to get worse as we head into the night when experts say the darkness makes storms even more deadly. All of it is being fueled by a rare warm-up. In some places, temperatures are up 50 degrees since Thursday, approaching historic highs. And as we head into the weekend, there is a threat of more tornadoes, as well as heavy rain, and in some places, more snow and ice. WCBS's Lonnie Quinn is tracking it all for us. And Lonnie, this sounds like it's going to be a dangerous night.
4: You know, it's dangerous out there right now, Nora. Places like Texas and to Oklahoma all the way as far north as Missouri. We have tornado watches, some warnings as well. It's not tornado season, but a tornado doesn't carry a calendar. And right now, some of the toughest weather is from Dallas up towards Oklahoma City, even south of that pushing down towards Austin. This line is going to make its push. To the east. So let's take a look at timing. By two o'clock in the morning, Little Rock, Arkansas, Shreveport, Houston, Texas, you got to be on alert. It continues to push further east. And let's get it to say, Stop it right there. 1 o'clock in the afternoon now, Nashville, Tuscaloosa, all the way down to Biloxi. What is causing this? Well, we have a jet stream right now that is screaming so fast, Nora, about 200, maybe even 250 miles per hour, way up high in the sky. Lower level jet, about 100 miles per hour. Just a little piece of that drops, out, uh, drops down to the, to the surface. You got a tornado out of it. And also that jet stream pushes well to the north, and it creates this big sort of like hump in the atmosphere, a ridge. And it fills in with all this warm air. 78 could be the high tomorrow in Charleston, 68 for Philadelphia. Again, temperatures we shouldn't typically be experiencing this time of the year. Nor, let's go back to you.
2: All right, you explained that really well, Lonnie. Thank you. And we've got some breaking news tonight from Palm Beach, Florida. Police have arrested an Iranian citizen not far from President Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. They say he was carrying weapons and cash. Jeff Begays is right here with with us now for the latest. So, Jeff, how serious the threat?
5: Yeah, he is an Iranian national, and he was arrested carrying a machete, pickaxe, and two knives along with $22,000 in cash. He's been identified as Masood Yareh Zola, Police also searched a car associated with him at Palm Beach International Airport. The arrest happened about four miles from the president's club, Mar-a-Lago. Investigators are monitoring this one. It's not clear, Nora,
2: what his intentions are. All right, but a scary situation. Thank you, Jeff. Tonight, the president claims Iran's top general was planning to strike four U.S. embassies before he was killed by an American drone strike. Members of Congress say that's the first time they've heard that. Paula Reid posed the tough questions today at the White House.
6: President Trump today revealed the most specific details yet about the imminent threats the U.S. said prompted the killing of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani.
5: I can reveal that I believe it would have been four embassies.
6: But just last night, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said the administration did not have precise information about the threat.
3: We don't know precisely when and we don't know precisely where, but it was real.
6: Can you clarify, did you have specific information about an imminent threat and did it have anything to do with our embassies?
3: We had specific uh, information on an imminent threat and that threat stream included attacks on U.S. embassies. Period. Full stop.
6: So you were, you were mistaken when you said you didn't know precisely when and you didn't know precisely no, where.
3: Uh, completely true. Those are completely consistent thoughts. I don't know exactly which minute. We don't know exactly which day it would have been executed, but it was very clear. Qasem Soleimani himself was plotting a broad, large-scale attack against American interests.
6: Multiple lawmakers tell CBS News that administration officials did not mention a specific threat to U.S. embassies in briefings for members of Congress this week.
5: The
1: briefing was incredibly thin on facts.
6: CBS News has also learned that the administration did not disclose an attempt to target another top Iranian military leader. The U.S. military tried but failed to kill the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard in Yemen on the same day it killed Soleimani.
2: And Paula joins us now from the White House. All right, Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today that she's going to send those articles of impeachment to the Senate next week. Any reaction from the president?
6: Nora, he called it ridiculous, and for the first time, he said he would invoke executive privilege to block his former national security adviser, John Bolton, from participating in a Senate trial. Now, Bolton has said he's willing to participate. Democrats, they want to hear from him. So if he receives a subpoena, it will likely be up to the courts to decide if he testifies.
2: All right, Paula, thank you. Tonight, NATO is demanding full transparency as Iran investigates the crash of a Ukrainian jetliner. 176 people were killed Wednesday, including at least 63 Canadians, just hours after Iran fired missiles at U.S. forces in Iraq. Well, today, Elizabeth Palmer went to the crash site near Tehran, and it's been picked clean.
7: This video, shot by an eyewitness, captured the Ukrainian plane exploding. 48 hours later... I'm standing in what local people say is the crash site. Uh, Just behind me, you can see there's a hole. It's an impact crater. Something big was in there. Something over there as well. But whatever was there is not there now. The Iranians cleared the crash site a full 24 hours before Ukrainian investigators could visit the scene. Scavengers picked over what was left. And it's not much. A shoe. A little backpack. Today, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo blamed the Iranians for this tragedy.
3: We do believe that it's likely that that plane was shot down by an Iranian missile.
7: U.S. satellites detected two surface-to-air missiles launched at the Boeing 737 as it climbed away from Tehran's airport. The explosion sent shrapnel through the fuselage, and that's what U.S. intelligence believes brought down the plane. The wreckage is crucial evidence. Iranian teams immediately collected the bodies and then moved the plane parts to the airport where Ukrainian investigators have begun to look at them. Ukraine's Foreign Affairs Minister Vadim Pristaiko.
2: We're analyzing the pieces of the body of the plane. We're analyzing the bodies of people.
7: Iran also says it will share the contents of the black boxes, which will be key in finding answers for those left behind. Hamed Esmailion lost his daughter and his wife, Parisa, who posted this selfie just before the flight took off. He says he told his daughter's school she wouldn't be coming back. I told them that, okay, Rira will be absent forever. So that was
5: a hard moment for me.
7: One of the state news agencies here is now reporting that Iran is ready tomorrow to announce the cause of the crash. Now, we already know uh, that they were pointing to
2: mechanical failure. All right, Liz, from Tehran Tonight, thank you. An American destroyer was aggressively approached by a Russian Navy ship in the Arabian Sea yesterday. The Fifth Fleet says it was a near collision. The Russian ship came within 60 yards of the USS Farragut. The American ship responded with five short blasts of its horn, and the Russians eventually changed course. Tonight, the FAA is hitting Boeing with a multi-million dollar fine. This after newly released internal emails from Boeing reveal employees were raising red flags about the 737 MAX years ago as the plane was being developed. Now, two of the jets later crashed overseas, killing 346 people. Chris Van Cleve tonight on what those emails say.
8: The 117 pages of messages show Boeing employees ridiculing colleagues, mocking the FAA, airlines, and even making light of potential issues with the 737 MAX. The two MAX crashes killed 346. One wrote, this airplane is designed by clowns, who in turn are supervised by monkeys. Another asked a colleague, would you put your family on a MAX simulator-trained aircraft? I wouldn't. No, was the response. The messages sent between 2013 and 2018 predate the Lion Air crash in Indonesia, raising questions about whether Boeing knew of potential problems. House Transportation Committee Chairman Peter DeFazio. This
0: stuff is absolutely outrageous. They're going to have to do some big house cleaning at Boeing.
8: Lion Air wanted simulator training for its MAX pilots in 2017, but it appears Boeing talked them out of it. An employee ridiculing the airline for asking, calling them idiots. A Boeing test pilot boasted about deceiving the FAA, who was in charge of certifying the 737 MAX. I still haven't been forgiven by God for the covering up I did last year.
0: They were deliberately concealing information from the FAA.
8: Nora, then there are these emails from 2013, where Boeing employees talk about the system at the center of these two crashes and efforts to keep it secret. Boeing says the emails are completely inappropriate.
2: Devastating. All right, Chris, thank you. Tonight, Buckingham Palace is in crisis. There are reports that Prince Charles was only given a 10 minute heads up before Prince Harry and his wife Meghan announced they want to step back from royal duties. As Harry negotiates his future, Meghan has flown to Canada. MTS Tyab has all the details from London.
3: Today, for the first time since that royal bombshell, we're seeing the Queen driving outside her Sandringham estate looking in control. While behind the scenes, things are anything but. The 93-year-old monarch has reportedly been holding crisis talks with grandson Harry, William, and son Prince Charles. While Britain's tabloid press are still fuming at Harry and Meghan, the nation, they say, is shocked. But for Effua Hirsch, who's written extensively about Meghan, it's not shocking at all.
2: Many people of colour in Britain are saying... We know exactly why she's leaving. We have seen the racism towards her play out in real time. And one of the incredible ironies of this situation is the very commentators in the media that have busied themselves hurling racist abuse at Meghan Markle for month after month are now the ones professing to be the most shocked that she's reacted.
3: There's plenty of people who say that race isn't a factor, that the criticism Harry and Meghan face is because they're not acting like royals.
2: There are so many examples of the racism that's been directed towards Meghan Markle. In some cases, there's nothing subtle about it.
3: Also not being seen as subtle, this latest Instagram post from the couple's official account. Harry and Meghan visited this London community kitchen they've long been supportive of just a few days ago, giving us an affectionate glimpse, perhaps, of the progressive new role as royals they say they want to create for themselves. With Meghan already back in Canada to be with little Archie, Prince Harry is here in the UK and will stay for the next two weeks before joining them, working out with his family what he, his wife, and his son's future will look like.
2: Nora. All right, MTF outside Buckingham Palace. Thank you we got some breaking news from Iowa. 24 days ahead of the caucuses, there's a brand new poll in the state that puts Bernie Sanders ahead of the Democratic field. Elizabeth Warren is in second, Pete Buttigieg third, Joe Biden fourth, and it's a tight race. Ed O'Keefe reports the crisis in the Middle East is spilling onto the campaign trail.
5: It's so good to be as soon as she took the stage in Dover, New Hampshire today, Elizabeth Warren was confronted by a protest. Speaking to reporters after, Warren questioned the president's timing.
6: He um, has a problem with his impending impeachment and his use of foreign policy as a way to try to
7: promote his own personal
5: political agenda. But Bernie Sanders also have, raised don't doubts don't about Mr. Trump's year. judgment. Because we have a president who is a pathological liar. And Joe Biden is trying to use unrest in the Middle East to his advantage. He's airing a new ad in Iowa that touches decades of work on foreign affairs. We need someone tested and trusted. If any of them become the Democratic nominee, they could get financial help from a current rival. Michael Bloomberg has vowed to keep spending millions of his own money even if he loses the nomination to defeat President Trump. And our campaign is going to stay here until November to help elect Democrats up and down the ballot.
2: Ed O'Keefe is back from the campaign trail and right here on the set with us. So there's a big debate coming up Tuesday night. What's it going to look like? That's right. There will be
5: six candidates on stage at this point. Uh, Tonight's the end of the qualification period. Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer, another multi-billionaire who's been spending his own fortune on television ads all across the country. Two surveys out last night in South Carolina and Nevada gave him the numbers he needed to make it proof that TV advertising, at least when it comes to campaigns, still works. All right, Ed, thank you so much.
2: Some alarming news about the flu. Nearly 10 million people have been sickened by the flu so far this season. And today, the CDC reported flu cases are widespread in 46 states. It's especially high in 33 states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, seen here in yellow. The CDC now estimates there have been some 4,800 deaths linked to the flu nationwide since October. Deaths are up 65 percent from last week. In Australia, the next few hours are critical as the wildfires worsen. The winds have kicked up and now authorities are urging a quarter million people to evacuate. Two monster fires merged into one mega blaze, measuring one and a half million acres. Tens of thousands protested the government's handling of the crisis. Parents have always told their kids to reach for the stars, but 17-year-old Wolf Sukhair is light years ahead, and he literally, yep, discovered a planet. The high school senior interned at NASA last summer. On his third day, he detected a signal in a star system 1,300 light years away. It turned out to be a planet the size of Saturn. Well, Wolf says his family wants him to call it Wolftopia. topia Guess what? That is more than I ever did on my first internship. In all his years on the road, Steve Hartman has traveled far and wide, but tonight he embarks on a journey he never imagined.
9: It was in this cellar that I found my roots.
2: That's the tin with all the film.
9: Davina Schumann, a relative I never met, graciously gave me this glimpse
7: Be my guest.
9: of the family I never knew I had. The Levy's were a conservative Jewish family from Cleveland, their patriarch Harry Levy, the bald guy there, is my great-grandfather. And in the spring of 1930, one of his four daughters, we don't know which, gave birth out of wedlock to my mother. Davina, one of Harry's legitimate grandchildren, says no one ever knew about this baby.
7: It would be scandalous, really, in those days for this family.
9: My mom died knowing none of this. She was raised by another couple. No formal adoption, no paper trail. So if not for DNA testing, my ancestry would have remained a secret. A recent survey showed about a quarter of the people who take these tests find some kind of surprising result. Or in my case, two surprising results. The test was more definitive regarding my grandfather, an Irish Catholic railroad worker named Frank Black. I'm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> this is his How other you? daughter, Carol. <laughs> my good. My new aunt. I see a little bit of my mother in you actually. Do you? Yeah, I do. And my new uncle, oh, this is your brother, also named oh, Frank gosh, Black. Together, <laughs> they told me all I needed to know about my grandpa. How many wives? 5. 5 wives. Right. So this is not an A+ plus character. So he might a D oh. minus. Are there any good characteristics?
5: In the 30s he ran for office for councilman. Oh, he Only one. He lost. <laughs>
2: He was really a drinker. Okay. St. Paddy's Patty, Day came. I don't
9: want to hear about St. Paddy's Day.
2: he dressed up and we didn't see him for three days.
9: Oh Not exactly the astronaut war hero I was hoping to find.
7: We were the apples that fell off the tree and rolled away.
9: <laughs> it certainly does make you question who you are. I grew up an Eagle Scout who went to Catholic school. Now I find my grandpa was Casanova and the Levies were Jewish. I'm Jewish now.
7: Yes, if your mother's Jewish, you are Jewish, no question.
9: I never knew that. Mazel tov. But my new relatives all told me none of that matters.
7: I just want you to come for Thanksgiving. (laughs) My favorite
4: nephew.
9: (laughs) Look deep enough into your past. Say that to all the nephews. And odds are you'll find a family tree full of flowers and broken branches and a lot of leaves you don't recognize. But I think it's important to embrace it all. Because whatever's there... It's exactly what your tree needed to grow the perfect you. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in
2: Cleveland. I like that. Broken branches and a lot of leaves. I took one too. I'll tell you about it sometime. A big week coming up on the CBS Evening News because the president faces a trial as articles of impeachment are brought to the Senate. We will have full coverage. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Have a great weekend.
1: Hi, it's Stephen Colbert.
0: If you enjoy tuning into the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.